Welcome to the Sunday Recap, everyone. So glad that you are here listening to us today. Um, You know, we're about to jump into a huge conversation talking about uh, Psalm 23, verse 4, though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death. But before we do that, welcome, Ariel. Welcome. Welcome back. What is that? What? It's a little slip of paper I just found, and it says, what song makes you want to dance? What song makes you want to dance, Ariel? Our podcast song. Oh. Totally. <laughs> Nobody is- knows that we dance every time. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, it is pretty funny. We don't actually have to have the podcast song on live with us as we're as we're recording this, but I always put it on anyway because I'm like it pumps you up. I know. I'm just like I feel like I'm getting in the podcast groove by uh, listening to it. So I <laughs> anyway. know it helps. Well, Mitch is gone this week. He is on vacation this week. He had you know uh, a week of prep for camp and then a week of camp and then he was here last week and this week he's gone on vacation. Last week you were on vacation and now yes. you're back. So welcome back. Thanks. Awesome. How was your vacation? Where it did you go? Restful. What did you do? Yeah, yeah, we went down to the panhandle of Florida. Uh, we spent some time on the beach thanks to some friends who hosted us in their beach house. Oh, it sweet. was great. Nice. It was really great. That's awesome. Yeah. Took the whole family. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Spent some naps in <laughs> the open ocean air. It was really good. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Super cool. Did you read anything while you were down there? I had high hopes and I took a stack and I cracked none of them. So <laughs> yeah. I have this biography on um, Charles Spurgeon that I don't know when I'll ever read it. Every time I go to open it, I'm oh. like, oh, but I would rather close my eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, <laughs> but totally. I care about Charles Spurgeon. I'll get there someday. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's cool. Hey, so uh, coming up in just about, um, just a little over a month, we are going to be launching into our next membership class. And membership, I think, is something that's really important, uh, not only for our church, but for the church in general, just as a way of really distinguishing um, are people part of your church body or not? And, mm-hmm. and that's really what it's what it's designed to do. And there are some benefits of being part of a church body in that sense. Um, so Ariel, you've been helping to teach the membership class now for like three years now? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So as you're looking at church membership and things like that, what's one of the biggest take, takeaways that you've had looking at membership class? What's hmm. one of the biggest things? Oh, that's super I'm putting good. you on the spot. Yeah. I just see the biblical call for um, knowing who is among the brothers and mm-hmm. so um, that we can care for one another so that we can know who the flock is. Mm-hmm. It helps church leaders so much yeah. to know who they are um, accountable for, especially walking through this last year of pandemic, knowing who our flock is helped us to divide it up and then to call and check in and make sure that they were well and, right. and cared for. So um, that's one of the biggest things Absolutely. I think I've taken away. Cool. Yeah, that's great. So if you are, uh, you know, if you really consider Stones Crossing Church your church home, then what we want to say is, hey, make it official. Like this is mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the the great next step for this. Taking the membership class doesn't mean that you have to become a member. It really is a class to investigate becoming a member here at Stones Crossing Church. It's going to start on August eighth. It's going to be a four session class uh, on Sunday mornings during the second service. Uh, it's absolutely free, and you get to hang out with uh, Ariel, Mitch, and myself. So come on, let's go. Uh, (laughs) So you can register for that at stonescrossing.com slash new. We'll see you there. Valley of the Shadow of Death music. Yes. There you go. Should the, I put on Coolio? The Vader March. Ye- what? <laughs> Do I walk through the valley of the, the shadow, shadow of death? death. Yeah. Yeah, you should. I could put on Weird Al. I actually had the uh, 
God of the hills and valleys. You know that one? I don't know that one. What is that? And I am not alone. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember. Torn Wells, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't have the, the like deep knowledge of Christian music. I just, I just don't. Um, but I love that you're still listening to the stuff from the 90s. Because you've shared me, with me a, a playlist that is pretty solid. Some of it, Some yeah. Cayman's Call. Oh, yeah. Cayman's Call. Yeah. Man. I don't know. Do you have any Michael W. Smith or any like, I don't know. I never really got on to Michael do you W. Remember Smith. remember Petra? I do remember Petra. <laughs> um, okay. Funny story. So... <laughs> so I think we're probably going to date ourselves here, though. Yeah, go, no, totally. So, yeah. do you, do you remember a guy named Carmen? Oh yes. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> Carmen just passed away. Did he really? Yes, he did. No. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, I so there was a woman at the first church that I worked at who used to date Carmen. Oh my goodness. Yeah, like way back in the day. How about that? I know. Well, I'm sure he's a lovely person, and oh yeah, he's fulfilled yeah, his. I'm sure his musical. Um, gift to the church. Totally. It's awesome. Totally. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah. I know. I was just thinking of one that I liked that it was like a little boy band before boy bands were even really like a big deal, but... Um, wait, wait. Let's back up for a second. Keep yes. that thought. Okay. Let's let's make this a thing in the podcast. Okay, Ariel. <laughs> Ariel, let's just talk just for a quick second. So, uh, you listen to Christian music. I do listen to ch- yes. Yeah, church music. Church music. Okay, so so what what are the you know the things about church music? Like what what are we looking for in church music? Or, or I don't know. Like, uh, or what are you listening to right now? What are some of the things that are that are popping up? I'm a on big, your Spotify playlist. Yeah, my Spotify. I well, okay. So it's so funny because we have a dichotomy going in our house. I love Shane and Shane. Love oh, Shane yeah. and Shane. Yeah. Especially their Psalms album and their mm-hmm. hymns live. Love those. Yeah. Um, so, so theologically rich. Yeah. Um, my husband, however, Jeremy loves like KB and Grits. He likes Christian rap. Nice. <laughs> and my boys lovingly refer to it as crap rap, but it's not. <laughs> it's it's about the Lord. And I love it too, but oh my it's goodness. very different from what I normally listen to. Oh my to. goodness. Yeah. That's, that's great. Um, I recently started putting together this playlist of worship songs and, and Christian music and stuff like that. That's kind of eclectic, but it's very like a lot of it's like '90s yep. and and uh, early 2000s kind of stuff. So it's like Cageman's Call, um, Shane. I got some Shane and Shane on there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some other things. Uh, Derek introduced me to a, a speaking of Christian rap, a band called Beautiful Eulogy. Have yes. you heard of them? Oh yeah. So and again, very theologically rich. Uh, rap music. And I, if I remember right, we had a class with Dr. Schrock uh-huh. uh, last year, and he was trying to make a case during the class that uh, rap music is the ideal musical vehicle for theologically rich music. Yes. Right? Yes. Because <laughs> you can't really do it in like pop music. I, um, right? That, that's, that's what he was arguing You can for. catechize your children with a Shaylin album. <laughs> You totally can, and I, I dare you to do it. There you go. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> nice. Well, lots of good stuff out there. So uh, that was just an aside. Just an aside. That, that just part a was free. free. One. That's right. So, uh, hey, so we're going to talk about a. Uh, first of all, we're going to be talking about Psalm uh, twenty-three, verse four, and this is uh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? 
I will fear no evil for you are with me. And just that first part of, uh, of verse four. And this passage, um, I think becomes a very, um, comforting passage for us Mm -hmm. because we sort of understand what this means, uh, to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? We all sort of have this understanding of, of suffering and of, um, of feeling under the pressure of difficult circumstances and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's what the psalmist is getting to, what David is getting to here is, um, you know, this idea of the valley of the shadow of death, even though I thought that was really interesting that Scott brought up this, this is a real place, Mm -hmm. you know, but that this can be a, a metaphor for that, that the way that David's writing it is that it's a metaphor for walk for really going through hard and difficult times. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. No, that's very good. I think it's a universal call to what it means to be a fallen human in this world. Mm-hmm. And we can all identify with that Yeah, and with that comfort. Absolutely. So it's good. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So um, just, I thought what might be helpful as we're getting started in this discussion is to talk about like some distinctions about different types of like suffering and struggle that we mm-hmm. go through. Because one of the things that I think is, is tough to do um, is to distinguish why we are struggling, like why we are suffering through something, you know, oftentimes I think we are going through something and we're, and we might think, um, oh, this is, you know, we, we, we might have this almost prideful type of sense of it where it's like, oh, well, this is totally unjust. I shouldn't be suffering for this, but it's actually something that you actually did to yourself. You know, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? Uh, or there may be situations where maybe you did something, uh, where you didn't do anything and you think that, that God is punishing you mm-hmm. uh, for that, which that's totally wrong too, you know? So so let's kind of help to have some general categories here of suffering. Mm-hmm. So maybe let's start with the the broad overview, the like the big picture idea of suffering. That Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know that the effects of the fall is what causes suffering in this world now. And so, right. like I said before, it's universal. Every human will suffer in some way. Mm-hmm. And so as we're talking about ways we can break it down, um, we could look at the scriptures, like if we were to jump over to John um, and see how Jesus interacts with the fallen humanity, um, where he encounters a blind man. Mm-hmm. Um, and we even see right away the the way that that humanity is naturally bent to assume that he's blind from birth because either he sinned in the womb or his parents sinned. So yeah. they think it's a direct result of individual of s- sin. Individual sin, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Jesus ref- refutes that. Um, and so I think it's good to kind of distinguish between why do why does all of humanity suffer, mm-hmm. um, maybe accidents, um, illness, death, these are all things that are that we that we all um, taste in our lifetime, right. um, and distinguish that from the things that we get ourselves into because of our personal sin. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's really good. So, so in that first category, it's it's just this: everything is suffering. Mm-hmm. Even and and I think Romans chapter eight even explains this that that creation itself is eagerly waiting for its own redemption. Right. So yeah. so that's what Romans eight talks about. So, but. Let's make some other distinctions here. I think there's maybe maybe two other distinctions we can make. The first distinction is this idea of suffering for our own sin, right? Mm-hmm. So like we we do something wrong and there's going to be inherent consequences to that, whether those are natural consequences or um, legal consequences, you know, all, all sorts of stuff like that. There are consequences for our sin. So that's 
that's a type of suffering that needs to be distinguished from a suffering unjustly for doing good, mm-hmm. right? Like for uh, for being a Christian and being persecuted or or things like that. Um, so let's let's unpack that distinction a little bit. Um, how can we know if the suffering that we're experiencing falls into one of those categories? I think that um, there's this passage in First Peter. If we were to look at First Peter two. Um, in verse 20, he talks about like, he says, for what credit is it if when you when you sin, you're beaten for it and you endure. But if when you do good, you suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Um, and so Peter's like drawing this distinction between um, doing the wrong thing and suffering the consequences of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we would equate that to like maybe being imprisoned for a sin. You sure. know, you rob a bank, you go to prison. This is a the correlation of our society. Right. Um, and so while that is suffering and the Lord can use that for your sanctification, that is so different than um, maybe the the suffering that comes unjustly for doing the right thing and being persecuted for your faith. Right, exactly. And the next verse is so fascinating to me too because he, he continues, he says, for to this, and he t- he's talking about that that unjust suffering for doing good. Mm-hmm. He says, for to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example so that you might follow in his steps. And that's that's a, that's a really crazy thing to think about, like that we are um, really called to that. Like sometimes we wonder, you know, what's the will of God for my life? Well, this is another one of those passages yeah, that's telling yeah. you, hey, the will of God is that you would suffer for doing good. Yeah. So get out there and get going. <laughs> you know? I know it sounds bleak, but um, I think that sometimes we get confused about this because uh, we think that the Lord, it, the Lord's job is to follow us around and to get us out of hard things, and to kind of just fight our battles for us. Sure. And then when we find ourselves in, um, you know, in a pit like like a sheep, mm-hmm. um, that He would come and and set us right. Which truly He He wants to do as a loving Father. But I think we forget that. Most of the New Testament says that we will suffer mm-hmm. if we are united in Christ. That's right. So, because um, a lot of the yeah. New Testament is dealing with is right, written to people who are suffering, right? Exactly. So, so they're already in the midst of it. So a passage like this ends up being very encouraging to them. Like, okay, we're we're on the right track here. You know, that right. that's what they're getting to. But um, but it's also I think encouraging for us because we, uh, especially in 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 the West, you know, as uh, as as Christians, we don't. We don't get put ourselves out there as much as uh, as probably they did at that point, and it, and I think that's actually very um, motivating for me. It's like, wait, I, you know, I need to be engaging with non Christians more often. I need to be uh, voicing the Christian worldview more often, engaging in culture more often, doing those sorts of things. In, but in, in a wise way, of course. Mm-hmm. But doing those sorts of things because I'm not really experiencing the same kind of. Um, uh, suffering for doing good mm-hmm. as maybe I should be, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, truly, we have been blessed as, um, as Americans in our recent culture to, to, um, to have lived on the, the coattails of, of, um, our forefathers who have 
held to Christian principles. Yeah. And so that's not like something that's out of whack and we're not being, you know, completely different when we, when we voiced those things in the past. Now it's becoming a little bit more heated and a little bit more spicy to say, I'm a Christ follower. I believe the word of God is truth. Right. Um, and so we are going to start to feel more and more persecution. Right. Um, but this is great encouragement to us to read Psalm 23, to know that, um, that the, any suffering that we're in, that God is actually with us in that. Yes, absolutely. And we're going to, we're going to dig into that too in just a minute. But so here's another maybe distinction that we can make. So we talked about, first of all, there's a suffering, that general (laughs) suffering over all of creation that's taking place because of the fall. Mm -hmm. There's the distinction between suffering for our sin versus suffering unjustly for doing good. Right. But then another distinction that we, we should make here is, um, suffering because of, you know, difficult circumstances, versus suffering um, because of direct persecution for being a Christian. Right. And, you know, if if I was to draw a a very blunt example of this, it would be like, um, you know, we can't equate the kind of suffering that maybe someone, um, you know, in another country who is being imprisoned for being a Christian, okay, versus you know, my internet went out and I can't watch Netflix tonight, mm-hmm. uh, you know? <laughs> and so we can't go and look at a, at a verse like, you know, um, kind of like one of, one of the verses that, um, that Scott brought up in first Peter four, um, he brought this up like, you know, don't be surprised at the trials and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think we can look at a verse like that and, and equate that to, oh, my internet went out. Yeah. You yeah. know, because he's talking more specifically about, uh, again, about Christian persecution and that kind of suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that was a trivial example, but truly right. sometimes we feel like those are, those are persecutions or we are feeling like we're being um, tested, yes. you know, if our car doesn't start or things just set us off a little bit. Right. Um, right. But truly in perspective, we know that all things have a, have a reason that's right. Well, and, and I would say this. I mean, any suffering that we go through, whether it's, you know, something as minor as, you know, the net, the Netflix doesn't work or, you know, I ran out of taco shells or wh- whatever it is, okay, um, or all the way up to really dealing with the heaviest things of like disease and death and right. loss and all that sort of stuff. Any kind of suffering is actually um, God uses those things for our sanctification, right, mm-hmm. to, to grow us, to strengthen us and make us more like Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what Romans eight twenty eight is all about, that all of these things um, have a good and holy purpose in our life, right? But I think at the same time, we have to have some perspective on, you know, what we're, what we're actually dealing with when we're in the midst of it, you know? Because when we're in the midst of something that's difficult, it seems to take over our whole world, you know? Mm-hmm. And being able to step back and be like, okay, you know, what exactly is going on here? How hard is this really you know, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and, and, and I think sometimes taking a little step back can be helpful, you yes. know, um, yeah. in just tempering our anxiety and, and, uh, and worry over the, that sort of stuff. Yep. You know, Ariel, um, during Scott's sermon, he brought up a, um, another passage from the Old Testament from 1 Kings chapter 20, which I thought was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was the story where um, the uh, the people of Israel are being attacked. This is the, the northern kingdom of Israel, and they're being attacked by a coalition that was led by the Assyrians. 
they got 32 nations to come together to come down and attack Israel. And their first battle that took place in the hilltops and and um, and and God uh, provided for Israel in that time and protected them. And then uh, the 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 Assyrian or the Syrian coalition they came back and they were like, you know what? I think that uh, their god must be the gods of the hills, mm-hmm. right? And so we're going to fight them then on the plains, and then that way we can win, right? So what is really interesting about this, and I was looking at the passage, and verse 28 in particular jumped out to me. Um, so this is 1 Kings 20, verse 28. He says, so, so uh, the, um, it says, a man of God came near, so came near to King Ahab. King, king Ahab was the king of Israel at the time came near and said to the king of Israel, thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, the Lord is a God of the hills, but he is not a God of the valleys. Therefore, I will give all this great multitude into your hand and you shall know that I am the Lord. What I think is fascinating about this is, um, this is really giving us this, this idea that there was sort of a false dichotomy that was happening at that time um, about how the gods worked. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was that false dichotomy? Could you yeah. maybe just explain that? Yeah. So um, the the gods of the nations, the surrounding nations um, around Israel were more of a specialized um, nature. And so they would mm-hmm. have a god of the sun or a god of, you know, the mountain. Right. Or, uh, it, you know, and they would have them be localized to these geographic locations right. and um, and therefore they have this assumption that because they won that their God must be of that particular geographic location and mm. so if they switch it up on them they're going to fool this God and and bring um, destruction to Israel right right yeah. exactly and sometimes actually in those in those nations you know different nations had their own gods right, right. Mm-hmm. so so when nations fought against nation it was almost like a contest of the gods which yes. god was more powerful and things like that and what's fascinating about the lord's response in this is that he's like look these guys think that i'm that that i'm just the god of the hills and not the god of the valleys but i'm going to show them that mm-hmm. i am the lord yeah. <laughs> and 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 there there's this emphasis on god is not just the God of one specific general location, of one specific nation, uh, but that he is God everywhere, right? right? Uh, which, is, which is just fascinating. Now, so let's unpack this maybe for our context today a little bit. What are some of the, maybe what's a false dichotomy that we do mm-hmm. today that God is, you know, basically saying, uh, no, 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 that's that's not right. a thing. I'm the God of, of everything. Right. Yeah. I don't think that we, well... We could kind of localize him a little bit sure. more geographically and say he's only with us at church or, you know, right. that's something that we've probably been guilty of doing. Um, but I think we're, we're more apt to make him localized to circumstances that perhaps he's only um, good when good things are happening to me. You know, right. he's only the God of the good things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it seems our culture kind of um, pins him down to our circumstances and our feelings. Right. Absolutely. And so in this situation, it would be like, well, God pretty much wants to say like, again, he is, he is God of all. Like that's what, that's the point of this first Kings 20. He Mm -hmm. is, he is God of, of everything. And so because he's God of everything, that means that he's not only just God in those good circumstances or those certain circumstances that we think that he can be that he can be in charge of, but that God is in control of everything, that every circumstance that we're going through, that he is 
um, that he is the Lord over those things. And that is huge, I think, for us in, in, in suffering, like as we're going through things, that we would recognize that God truly is Lord over these things mm-hmm. and that we can actually rely on him and we can turn to him and we can call on him in the midst of these sorts of things, which actually was one of uh, Scott's first point uh, uh, in, the, in the sermon here. Um, so let's go ahead and dig into these points. He said, first and foremost, that God is always with us in the valley, that we are never alone. Um, uh, now, Ariel, I know you know what he did in the in the sermon was right up our alley with the whole like the grammar shift that happens yes. right in Psalm twenty three. Yes, and I'm so glad he addressed that because I've always wondered. It's I don't know. Any kind of grammar nerd will will say, what's going on here? He's <laughs> yeah. talking about God, and now he's talking to God. So yeah, yeah let's chat. Yeah. So um, so what Scott just really unpacked here was he's there's a shift that takes place from verses 1, 2, and 3, where when he's talking uh, about God, when he refers to God, it's in the third person. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, right? But when you get to verse 4... Um, there's a shift at the end of verse four where he says, for you mm-hmm. are with me, right? So so the idea there is that in that shift, there is something happening in the author's, uh, you know, in, in his voice, right, that is designating um, a very personal and, and intentional relationship that is happening there that's deeper than something where like a, a, another God may be at a distance. Mm-hmm. Um, but the God of Israel is personally with David in the valley of the shadow of death. I just love that he's even able to address the Lord personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and for for the believer to be able to do that, that should provide such great comfort, um, especially as we were just talking about how the surrounding gods, the lesser gods that humanity has leaned into that are so um, insufficient. Um, and you and Mitch dug into this a little bit last week as well, just right. the inability to know what they want or to even have this weird symbiotic relationship that this, these gods are so needy, yeah. um, to have a sovereign God who is Lord over all, who needs nothing and requires nothing of us yet allows us to address him personally yeah. is amazing. Yeah. That's so good. You know, the whole thing kind of reminds me of a, um, a situation that I went through when I was a kid. So, and we were actually, this is so funny, Ariel and I, we, but right before the show, we were talking about how, like, I don't really remember things from before I was yeah. like seven years old, but mm-hmm. I do remember a few things. And one thing that I remember was, um, kind of a traumatic experience when I was six years old, I was climbing out of the pool. All right. And it was one of those, um, we were at swimming lessons. Okay. Okay. And I was uh, at this pool where it had one of those like metal ladders that kind of like come out of the deep end. Uh-huh. And so I was climbing out, climbing out. And I don't know what happened. I, I don't know if I was like screwing around or what, but I slipped and I fell and I hit my chin on the side of the pool and I ended up somehow biting through my lip Ooh. right here. And it like cut off a big chunk of my lip. And, um, and I remember being very like, I don't remember feeling very much pain at first, you know, uh-huh. I just remember like there was blood all over me. Um, I fell back in the water. I was like kind of disoriented, but I remember being very scared because I didn't know, I didn't know what had happened. And, and I was so like perplexed by that. And so just afraid and, um, almost instantly 
my mom was right there. Yeah. And I remember that. It was, it was kind of crazy. Um, she told me later that, cause where she was sitting was like in these grandstands that are like way on the other side of the pool deck. And she literally like jumped over the railing and like, it, it was like down like eight feet, like from, <laughs> from, oh from there, jumped down and ran over to come get me. These are mom skills. I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but what was so great is in that moment, I remember feeling a lot more calm and peace that she was there mm-hmm. with me in that, in that moment. Um, and, and so a lot of that fear went away and then it was just like, okay, you know, she's going to take care of me. Yeah. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And I think when we're going through something difficult, things like that are, I, I think that's still important for us when we're, when we're going through that is recognizing, all right, who's, who's got me, mm-hmm. you know, who's actually carrying me through this. Um, and sometimes we feel, I think just alone when we're in the middle of a circumstance that's like it just feels overwhelming and insurmountable. And we're like, how are we ever going to get through that? But what this is reminding us is that our God is always with us, that he is right there beside us. He's carrying us. He's, he's helping us through those, those difficult times. And he actually has these, has this plan for these difficult times to be for our good and for our benefit in the long run. Mm-hmm. But I think this all, I mean, it all really connects to then what Jesus did for us uh, by being our our God with us, our Amen. Emmanuel, yeah. right? So, so he um, is not going to be localized to a temple. He's not going to, you know, where we have to go to him anymore. But uh, what John, uh, the the Apostle John, tells us is that he tabernacled amongst us, right? Yeah. He came to us, and he came among us, and he. We see in the Gospels how he he ate with sinners and he he went to the people who were broken and poor and afflicted and dealing with all sorts of things, and that is what Jesus does for us now. Um, that's he is the one that is with us and carrying us through all that stuff. So yeah, yeah, Amen. The second point Scott made was that God has a purpose for the valley, which mm-hmm. um, you know we've talked so much in the past few um, months and years here at Stone. Uh, Stones about uh, like Joseph, the story of Joseph. Right. We bring that one up pretty often. Yeah. Um, knowing that the plans that that the world has are evil, mm-hmm. um, but God intends them for good. And uh, and so Scott uh, referred to Romans five. Yeah. Um, do you want to read that for us? Yeah, I got it right here. Um, Romans five three. It says, "Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us." Yeah. So ultimately, our suffering is redeemed, and, uh, and yeah, and it will be redeemed. Yeah. Ultimately, I wonder how difficult. I mean, there have been times where. I've remembered this passage in moments of suffering and things like that, mm-hmm. but um, but man, I, I don't feel like I've gone through really difficult circumstances. And so, like for someone who's gone through difficult circumstances, I wonder how difficult it would be to be going through that and then reflect on a verse like this to say, like, actually, I need to be rejoicing. Mm-hmm. I need to be rejoicing because what this is going to do in me is going to produce this this patience and endurance and character and hope and mm-hmm. and I'm and I have that to look forward to um, through the suffering that I'm enduring. I almost kind of wonder that too, like uh, you know, when I put my my kids in a timeout, <laughs> are, are they rejoicing in that? Yeah, you know, <laughs> but, probably not, <laughs> probably not. But um, but Scott also went to First Peter and talked about light and momentary affliction. Yeah. Um, 
and I'll tell you, like, if you've ever bit your tongue, you're not rejoicing in the moment, you know, like you just have this brutal anger if you're like me and, um, it, but all things, um, are working for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose and even tiny things he's using to, to grow our character so that he can conform us to the image of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think too, it might be important for us to know how to help counsel people through that as well. Yeah. Cause like you may, you may not be going through something difficult, but you may know someone who is. Mm-hmm. And as you go to talk with them, probably the first thing that you want to do is not go to a passage like this, you know, sure. you know what I mean? Um, cause what this does is, you know, it would, it would seem kind of like, oh, you know, you just need to rejoice in your sufferings, yeah. you know, God's got this, yeah. you know, and they're just going through like the worst miserable time of their life. Um, but to actually really just spend some time lamenting with them, mm-hmm. uh, mourning with them, grieving with them, whatever it is that they're going through. Um, because, and I think that we see that in the example of Christ as well, right? I mean, when we, just a few months ago, we looked at the passage from John where it says that Jesus wept, right? Yeah. At, at the resurrection of Lazarus. And, and there's a, there's a, I think there's a thing there about him where he deeply felt the emotional weight of the loss that took place in that moment. Mm-hmm. It was the weight of sin. It was the weight of, this is his friend. Um, he saw everybody around him that was mourning and, um, and he wept as well. And I think that that is key for us as we're counseling people through stuff is to um, actually empathize with them because this is all part of the common human experience. Um, and we know what it, what it is to suffer. We know what it's like to do that. And we should sit with people in the midst of that. You're just basically saying to go ahead and acknowledge the fact that the fall happened and that we're sitting in it. Yeah. Um, and that we're truly feeling the effects of it. Good perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think eventually though, you do want to get to something like this where you are helping people to see that, God is in control, mm-hmm. you know, um, that the things that they're going through do have a good um, and 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 ultimately a, a positive purpose for their life, mm-hmm. even though it's difficult, um, and that they can actually rejoice in the sufferings that they're going through. But I think it takes maybe a little time for people to get there. Right. Yeah. I think that that's what brings us to the third point, too, that God has a reward that will last forever. Yeah. At the end of it, and that's the last thing I think you'd want to you'd want to point them to that and make sure that hope is there, um, that truly these valleys that we go through are temporary. Yes, um, and that, um, it, like what Scott brought up in Second Corinthians, that our outer self is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed, mm. and that these light and momentary afflictions will have their day when um, when God's glory is revealed and we join Him in it. Yeah. Um, and that's eternal. It's imperishable. It's not something that can be taken away based on our circumstances here. Absolutely. I love this verse. This is this is one to memorize to sure. me. So this is 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. And it just gives so much hope um, in the midst of those, those difficult circumstances. 2 Corinthians as a whole, and we've talked about this before. This mm-hmm. was Mitch's theme verse for 20 or theme book for 2020, right? Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but as a whole really deals with suffering and and going through these difficult circumstances and giving great reason for it, how God might be using those circumstances in, in us personally, but then also for the benefit of the church down the road. And, and so this is so good, but, but yes, coming right back to how um, really just having perspective that these things are not going to last, but that there is, um, there's greater glory to be, to be seen and gained in the end by enduring and going through that. Um, 
And that really is our hope. Ultimately, the reward that we're talking about here is is Jesus Christ himself. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, and it's not that our salvation is based on how we how we endure suffering and things like that. That's not the that's not how it works. But as we endure suffering, what we do is we end up um first of all knowing that our Lord suffered first, right? That he that he suffered and he suffered in the same ways and even worse ways. And so he knows everything that we're going through. Mm-hmm. He knows um, exactly w- uh, what we're dealing with um, and that he is interceding uh, to the Father for us right now, mm-hmm. uh, praying t- uh, to the Father for us and, and uh, as he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And, um, and that should give us great encouragement to know that he's praying for us, he's with us, he knows exactly what we're going through, and we can, we can trust him and his good plan through the midst of it all. Yeah, yeah. that's good. It's good news. In fact, I think you've even encouraged me in that way in the last year, just a couple times where I felt like I was just uh-huh. in a really crummy time. <laughs> yeah, you've said that. You've said that you know, you're joining Christ in his suffering, and that is such an encouragement to the believer And I think that's what we need to do as brothers and sisters. We need to be telling each other that over and over. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Ariel, thanks for uh, having this conversation Thanks for a podcast. (laughs) It was a podcast. It was. And thank you to all of you who were listening today. We are so glad that you have been joining us on this journey of the the Sunday Recap Podcast. So we hope that you'll join us next week as we're going to talk about uh, the last part of Psalm uh, 23, verse 4. Pastor Scott is actually going to wrap up this like you know what is it this section section of the psalm 23 series living in the overflow and then we're going to get into something else we're actually going to get into a series on elijah and elisha yes coming up next oh i'm so excited i know this is going to be good old testament here we go yeah so um but that's coming up next week we're going to we're going to dig into that last part of verse four so yeah so we're looking forward to that and we hope that you'll join us next time on the sunday recap we see you then